a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Last week, President Biden's Supreme Court Commission released their final report. Their recommendations touched on a host of issues from term limits to court packing or court expansion. But as some lawmakers try to use the report as a reason to upend the structure of the highest court in the land, are those really the things we should be focusing on? And what are the conversations we should be having about these issues uh, in the Supreme Court moving forward? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, here to help us break all of this down, a friend to the show, Judge Thomas Griffith. Of course, he was appointed to the United States Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit Court by President George W. Bush back in 2005. Retired in 2020, formerly served as the Senate Legal Counsel of the United States and uh, currently works as special counsel at the Hunt and Andrews Kurth firm. And uh, is just one of the brilliant minds in our country and uh, was part of this commission and uh, had a few things to say about it in the Washington Post today. Uh, Judge Griffith, thanks for joining us. No, thank you, boy. Thanks for having me. So as you uh, went through this process, we'll, we'll get into the nitty gritties of some of that. But uh, what was your experience first uh, within that commission? Uh, what were those discussions like? And uh, I, I think the, the court is one of the few places we have trust left uh, in the country. And uh, how was that conversation? And what do we need to do to make sure we maintain that? Right. Well, I have to say at the outset that the, the my experience on the commission was a remarkable and good one. Um, uh, when 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 the president announced that he was going to uh, have a commission to look at this issue, he announced that it was going to be bipartisan. And I and I suppose I was one of the people that made it bipartisan. There were uh, a handful of us conservatives, uh, but we were well outnumbered by the. Uh, by the by, the progressives on the commission. So I went in with a little bit of uh, anxiety and a great deal of skepticism about what role uh, we would play on the commission. And I have to say that all of my anxiety and all of my skepticism was put to rest because it was clear that, and this came from the president, uh, that what he wanted was a vigorous discussion, uh, a fair debate, um, and he wanted to hear from all sides. Um, and so I, I have to say my fellow uh, uh, colleagues on the commission bent over backwards to make certain that those of us who were conservatives, that our voice was heard, that our uh, arguments were included, um, and that we were treated civilly. It, it really was a, a, a remarkable experience uh, in, in that regard. We'll, we'll get to the substance of the, of, of, of the report in, in our discussion, but I want to start off by saying that um, it was a great experience and I think a model yeah. uh, for how civil discourse ought to take place. These are big issues. Yeah. Uh, they're important issues. They're contentious issues. And this was a group of people with the strong uh, uh, wills and strong minds and vigorous disagreement. Yet it was all done 
civilly and respectfully. And for that, I, I, I really I, I have to give credit to the president, uh, to the to the chairs of the commission, and and most importantly to my to my fellow commissioners. So that oh, so that was uh, for me was it was a great experience. Oh, and that uh, that uh, gives me great hope uh, that we can have something like that and model that. And we we definitely applaud. Uh, that approach, and we'll applaud the president uh, in the way that the commission functioned and and did their work and did their business. And it sounds like it uh, really was a good balance and a real discussion. Uh, yes. And uh, yes. and I hope there's more uh, before we dive into the the substance of what the outcomes were there. Uh, I do hope there's more written about the process because sometimes I think we we jump to the end and well, what does it mean? Uh, and I hope we do come back because uh, Judge Griffith, as you've related your experience there. Uh, with those across the spectrum uh, of, of judicial philosophy, uh, that that's an important thing for us to learn and to model. So I, I hope we get some more writing. We may have you back on the show to break that down a little more for us uh, as we go to, along. As you know, this is a topic I care about <laughs> a, a great deal, and I, I was just really pleased with, uh, with, with, with that aspect of the commission. Uh, that's wonderful. Well, let's get into some of the, the substance. Of course, what most people were hyper-focused on were things like term limits, age limits, or expanding the number of justices or court packing, as some are calling it. Uh, in your perspective, tell us just a little bit about the debate around those issues, sure, and then sure. we'll talk about uh, what what some of those recommendations are. Sure. Well, so so an important thing to keep in mind, and, and this wasn't clear throughout the, the reporting of the commission, is we, we were not given any authority to make recommendations. That's not what President Biden wanted. What, what he wanted us to do was to come up with a document that described the nature of the debate. You know, here's a proposal to expand the size of the court. He wanted to hear the best arguments on both sides of that. And so that's, that's where most of the work on the commission was done, was how do we describe for the president and for the American public the nature of this debate? What, are the, what is the proposal? What's the nature of the proposal to expand the court? Why do some people think that's a good idea? And then why do others, like me, think it's a, a horrible idea? And to, to lay it out so that the president – uh, can see can can learn the history of the debate, the nature of the debate, so that he can he can make his own decisions about uh, about you know the best best course uh, going forward. So 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 we weren't we weren't debating uh, amongst ourselves uh, wh- whether the court should be expanded or not. Um, we we did hear testimony, different proposals about that, its strengths and its weaknesses. But the major work of the commission was simply to describe that debate in a fair and even-handed uh, manner. And, 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 in a, and in that regard, uh, there was a lot of compromise, a lot of, 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 uh, of exceeding and accommodating uh, the, the, the desires of others to have things described in, in a way that they thought more fairly and accurately reflected the nature of the debate. Um, and, um, and, and, and we had several drafts of, of, of the report, and those drafts changed drastically over time as various members of the commission weighed in to say, you know, I don't think that's a fair way to describe my point of view. And other commissioners said, okay, how would you describe it? it uh, and so uh, there, was a, there was a lot of, uh, a, a lot of accommodating one another so that each side uh, on an issue could feel like their best effort was, was presented. Yeah. Now, it's not perfect. It's not, it's not the report I would have written, but sure. there were 36 members on the commission, and you compromise, yeah. and you, 
uh, respect one another and uh, uh, and accommodate to the extent that you can their views. And so, uh, so I, th- I think it worked very well at that level. Oh, that's fantastic. If you're just joining us, we have uh, Judge Thomas Griffith, uh, who was, of course, uh, sat on what many call the second highest court in the land, the D.C. Circuit. Uh, from 2005 to 2020, and a part of this commission uh, from President Biden uh, on the court and the future of the court. Uh, and real quickly, Judge, uh, you wrote in the Washington Post today uh, that the that the Supreme Court is not broken, uh, and that whether it's expanding or changing in terms of term limits, that that's not going to be the right idea anyway. Uh, talk to us about the the trust of the court. Uh, and what is what are the things we should be thinking about in terms of preserving that trust? Right, right. So, so uh, if it were up to me, there would have been no commission, right? <laughs> I, I, I don't think there's a problem uh, uh, with the court that needs to that that needs to be to be fixed. Um, uh, and so, so I start I, I, I start there. Um, uh, the, the proposals for so-called reform, uh, to me, uh, too, too many of them buy into an idea about the role of a judge that I just flatly reject. And that idea is that judges are really just partisans in robes. Um, or as as Justice Breyer on the Supreme Court says, people sometimes think of us as the the, the political junior varsity. So, so I, I reject that that view of, of the role of the judge. I, as you mentioned, I was on the, the D.C. Circuit. I served there for 15 years, and never once did I see a decision by any of my colleagues that was made based on some partisan affiliation or partisan allegiance. It just doesn't work that way. Now, Judges have very different views about how to read the interp- how to read and interpret the Constitution and apply it, or read statutes of Congress and apply it. They have very different views about that, and there's vigorous disagreement. But never once did I think that my colleague voted one way because they were in favor of a policy of mm-hmm. President Trump or of President Obama. It just it it, it 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 I know it may be hard for people to believe it doesn't work that way. Now judges aren't perfect. And sometimes they will give in to the temptation to, 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 to make a decision go the way their personal preferences uh, run. But, but when they do that, that's a mistake. Yeah. And, and we shouldn't be encouraging that. <laughs> uh, we should be doing everything we can uh, to stop that. And, and, and in my mind, uh, the, 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 the major proposals out there, that is to expand the, the size of the court uh, and, and term limits, um, it, it, they are driven in large measure by this view of a judge that ah, they're really just partisans, so let's just level the playing field. No, 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 no. They're not partisans. If they act in that way, I think we ought to do everything we can to get the judges back in their lane, to, yeah. to, 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 to get them to, to, to abide by that oath of office that we all took to do impartial uh, justice. Uh, my, my experience is most of the judges most of the time do that, and the American people ought to have great great confidence, uh, great confidence that, 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 that's what, that that's what takes place. Uh, Judge Thomas Griffith, uh, great insight as always. And I, I think where we do start thinking it's political is often when Congress doesn't do its job or punts its authority to the executive branch. The executive branch gladly uses it. And uh, when the moment they do that, then immediately a lawsuit is filed and, and suddenly we end up with something that ends up uh, working its way up through the courts and ultimately to the Supreme Court. And so it feels more political and these things become more politically charged. Uh, Judge Griffith always giving us great insight there. I want to have him back to have this discussion about 
about how they went through this process, because I think there's a lot for us to learn in that. Stay with us. Much more to come on Inside Sources. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.